Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hey there, Jason Whiteley with you for another episode of Yolitics. I am especially excited about this episode for two reasons. First, Jason Wheeler. Remember that guy? I have no one to razz in his absence. Wheeler is not back entirely with us just yet, but you're going to hear from him in just a moment. A couple days ago, he posted a message to his followers on social media. Remember the 1st of uh, March, he had back surgery. He's still recovering at the house. But in his social media video, Wheeler there at the house has taken on a different look. He hasn't shaved in a bit. And he's grown one of those those, uh, bad guy beards, you know, just little here, a little there. It's a nice edge. I told him to keep it, but here's what he told his followers. I just wanted to give a quick update here because uh, some of you have been asking. Yes, I am still alive. Uh, for those of you who aren't uh, familiar, I uh, injured my back pretty badly in a boating accident uh, many months ago, and I finally went and got that surgically taken care of. Uh, and in the weeks since then, uh, I have been recovering slowly but surely. Uh, anybody who's been through back surgery knows that it can be a doozy. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that uh, I've been seeing the messages on social media. Sorry that I haven't responded to everybody individually. Uh, I've been just really trying to limit my time on, on social media as I've been recovering. But so many of you have uh, sent well wishes and uh, thoughts and prayers. And uh, I really wanted to tell you that I appreciate that. Uh, it's very encouraging. So thanks again for that. Uh, Some people have also been asking, are you ever going to come back to work again? And yes, uh, that is the plan. Uh, We're probably looking still at uh, mid to late April before that is actually a possibility. But uh, yes, it will be here before we know it. Again, thanks for all the well wishes uh, and for checking in on me. And uh, I'll see you soon. All right, so Wheeler is out for a few more weeks, says he expects to be back to get doctor's clearance to return, hopefully by the end of the month. When he gets back, I might stick him with the baby here and take a couple weeks myself just to get my head straight on all this. But let's get on to this episode here. This is the second reason I'm I'm really excited about this episode is, is the topic we are covering today. In Jason's absence and his honor, we are talking money today. He could actually steal this episode for one of his future Right on the Money segments, but we're talking about politics and money, emerging technology, and how all of this is really opening up some new ways for you to invest. We've all seen the news. Inflation is high. The dollar is not worth what it was in the stock market. It just finished its worst first quarter in two years last week, if you haven't checked your 401k or seen the news. But state lawmakers have quietly been laying the groundwork for something else. They want Texas to be a leader in blockchain. And blockchain could disrupt some things, which is why we're focusing on it today. This could be a game changer. Wait a second, though, before you turn us off. I don't really follow blockchain that much either. I didn't grasp what it was at first until we really got started working on this episode here. But blockchain is is going to change one industry likely a lot, and that's real estate. You can soon day trade real estate, shares of actual Texas properties, just like you might day trade Apple stock. Now, here's a real life example we're going to talk about. There's a company called OwnProp, O-W-N-P-R-O-P. It's based in Austin. It is buying up commercial properties all across Texas. And then it's selling off shares of those properties 
to anyone who wants to invest in real estate, and it's doing it with blockchain. So instead of buying a share of stock through Fidelity or TD Ameritrade or Robinhood or another trading platform like that, you can buy a share of commercial property and instead of a stock, you get a crypto token. That crypto token, just like a stock certificate, it represents your investment. So for example here, OwnProp, it owns a place in Austin called Hotel Ella, a real place that's on MLK Boulevard just east of the UT campus there. OwnProp is selling shares of this 47-room hotel to anyone who wants to invest in it. You can buy a fraction of the hotel and you get a token. OwnProp has also purchased a shared workspace building in Dallas's uptown neighborhood. Same thing here. It's selling shares of it. And that's where we met Peter Rex, the guy who started OwnProp. And one of the first questions I had for him is, how much does something like this cost to get into? I mean, let, you know, let's just say this asset's worth, say, $10 million. Just make it up, right? Doesn't matter what the market value is. Say it's worth $10 million. My goal and our goal as a company is to fracture this down to $10 million tokens, 10 million slivers of the property that then people can buy at a dollar a piece. So they can buy one token and own a ride of this asset. And that enables anybody anywhere to be able to, you can even, people get that are out there working, you know, say middle income, working class people, they could say, you know, I'll toss some money in there for my, instead of putting it in a college fund for my kid later, I'll just throw it in this real estate asset because I know this neighborhood well. Real estate's a proven durable asset class. It's one of the oldest, most effective asset classes in the world of generating wealth long-term. Look at it, look, in the times of Julius Caesar, right? It, even then it was prized. And that's the point. Real estate has always been a more steady investment than stocks. It hasn't risen as much until lately than stocks uh, always have. But the blockchain is cutting the costs of a real estate transaction. If you've ever purchased a home, you know all the paperwork and fees that go along with it. Using the blockchain, some of those fees now get cut out. You don't have to pay title fees, title insurance, because everything is recorded in the blockchain. So that means that real estate is, in an, in an essence here, really getting a little more affordable. By putting it on the blockchain, we are enabling People say, like you, you said, amateur investor, you want to come in, you want to own a piece of real estate as well. You see this deal, you say, I like that. You can buy it digitally on our platform and it will be secured using the blockchain, which and the best way to understand blockchain for people so they're not scared about it. And it's nothing scary, actually. It's better to look at what does this thing do rather than what is it? Kind of like a car, rather than trying to understand the internal combustion engine, try to understand what does this thing do that we can prove that it can do. And what blockchain can do is it really is a secure accounting system. It provides better security than anything that has been created thus far. And it lowers the transaction costs because you can know that when you go to buy something, you can know for sure that that owner is who is said to have owned it. So that way you can buy it and you know what you're getting is clean title, they call it, which is clean ownership. Sort of like when you buy a car, you just know that what you're getting is definitely there. And if you go and buy it and you don't know it's there, you could end up buying a stolen good or you could buy it twice or buy it three times. And really, you don't own it. It's not yours. And in real estate, this has been, this is a huge problem. And there's a lot of people right now that have to spend their time verifying ownership, making sure attorneys, agents that work for the government, making sure everything's clean. But right with blockchain, we can drop those costs dramatically. And what that does, what's very important is it allows someone to come in for a lesser amount of money because people aren't rolling around in the street with 20,000 bucks able to just invest, right? We want to get it so they can they can get in for a dollar. Okay, so I'll put a hundred bucks in. 
I'm just a podcast host. I'm not Jason Wheeler. So the question is, how do I make money? Do I have to wait until the property is actually sold by OwnProp to get my investment back? That's a good question. I wanted to know the answer to that as well. The answer is no, you do not. Turns out you can sell that token to someone else whenever you want to in six months and six years if you want. If the property you invested in has increased in value, like most real estate, all real estate really does, then that means you make money. Again, this is like buying and selling shares of stock. The point is the blockchain is making all this much more affordable now because it's creating new opportunities and possibilities like this. But OwnProp, this is not a commercial for OwnProp, it's not the only ones doing this. There's a company in Houston called Market Space Capital. Market Space Capital owns a lot of apartment complexes across the state. It's called multifamily for those who aren't in the industry, like me. And Market Space Capital is starting to sell off shares of these apartment complexes. Sohail Hassan is a managing partner at Market Space. He's on the line with us. Sohail, thanks for being here. I want to start with something you wrote recently about all this. You called for a tech intervention here, a technology intervention, basically. Explain what this means for someone like me who doesn't follow crypto or the blockchain every single day. Sure. So absolutely. So, you know, in a traditional real estate model, if you were to make an investment with us, Jason, you would basically sign a subscription agreement. And in that subscription agreement, let's say you made an investment with us. Uh, typically, our minimum investment is $50,000. So you made a $50,000 investment, and now you have a piece of paper that says you own 50,000 units of this LLC, and that LLC owns the underlying real estate asset. Right now, you are locked into this partnership, right? You have no real option to get liquidity out of this. Uh, let's say you had an emergency happen, a kid's going to college, and you wanted to pull some of those funds out. You unfortunately have no options to do so. You're restricted in the partnership and would only be able to get liquidity if there's a liquidity event, which is typically a refinancing scenario or an exit of the property. Right. So now with the advent of blockchain technology, this really kind of changes the game. Right. Because, number one, it allows liquidity in what otherwise is inherently a illiquid market. Right. Um, and by that, what I mean is that basically if you are in a tokenized format where we issued, you know, 50,000 tokens, Instead of you owning you know, a piece of paper that says you own 50,000 units of this LLC, now we issue you actually tokens. Now, each of these tokens are correlated with what is known as a stable coin. In our case, we use what is known as circle coin. And so what it does is it you know, basically ties itself to a fiat currency. And in this case, obviously, we're using the U.S. dollar. Right. So one token equals one U.S. dollar. And you're not going to have the fluctuation or the volatility that you might see with Bitcoin or Ethereum. OK, now those 50,000 tokens we issue to you and you have in a digital wallet similar to like a Charles Schwab account. Yeah. Right now, those 50,000 tokens sit in there. And after 12 months, the SEC says that you have the ability to trade those tokens onto a secondary market. OK, so after 12 months, you literally can take a fraction of those tokens. Now, let's say you invested $50,000 and you've got 50,000 tokens. You could take 5,000 of those tokens and put them onto this platform. And now people in Japan, in Korea, in Australia who want to invest in U.S. real estate, but don't want to necessarily go through you know, the complicated paperwork to do so. Now they have the ability to do it. Right. And so and the reason I mentioned those countries is because 
you know, through this process of us tokenizing our very first asset, which is a ground up development of 250 units in Dallas, Texas, which is the very first ground up development that's been tokenized in the United States. So we're kind of going through this right now ourselves. And, you know, it's interesting to note because again, you know, this project cost was $62 million, meaning all of those investors who invested into this project, they were buying in at that $62 million share price, right? But as we complete construction, we get closer to what is the, the appraised stabilized value of the asset, meaning that once construction is completed and you have people living there and you have occupancy around 70, 80%, the value that came in is $77.6 million. So that's what you, Jason, as an investor, have to gain, and, and, right? You're buying it at 62 million yeah. and it's going to go up to that 76. And, and to, to lay out for our listeners, Market Space Capital, the company you work for and its partners, you guys have a, a billion dollars or more than a billion dollars in multifamily assets. Multifamily assets, of course, are apartment complexes, uh, high rises, things like that um, for families, obviously, uh, all commercial property. So you guys are physically building a ground up apartment complex in Dallas that will be tokenized like this? That's it's already live. If you go onto the T0 marketplace, you can sign up for an account or download their app. There's a token called Myra token, M Y R A. And that is this ground up development project right now in Dallas, Texas, which is about 20% through the construction process. We just kicked off last August. Uh, but again, it is live and trading right now on T0. Where, where is it in Dallas? Do you know? Yes, Farmer's Branch. So right off of 635 in Webb Chapel. And it's directly next door to the Dallas Medical Center. Gotcha. And for people who might not, who might have heard the term blockchain, but don't really know exactly what blockchain is, which is the spine of all this, how, how would you sum up blockchain and, and why this is, is safe to use? Yeah, so I think, you know, the best way to understand what blockchain is, is kind of the rails of the financial system, right? And that you basically have a, a, um, a ledger that's immutable. And because now you have a, you know, very verifiable uh, way to, um, you know, check and record what's on the blockchain, um, you have the ability to impact so much, right? Even in our business, we're just talking about the investor side. Now, What's interesting to note for this Dallas project is we raised $7 million of equity and we raised that through traditional means from investors just like yourself that would invest $50,000. Now, once the construction started, we went back and we tokenized all of those $7 million of those investors. So it's not like we actually went through the process of raising capital through this tokenized format. Now, we're just seeing just we're scratching the surface as a sponsor. Imagine, you know, from the title commitments, imagine from due diligence, if all of those items are now recorded on the blockchain, it just makes the entire process that much more efficient. Um, even distributions. Ultimately, once, you know, we collect rent from tenants, we pay off all the operations, the expenses, the leasing management, whatever's left over goes into a bucket. And on a quarterly basis, we do distributions to our investors. So right now it's a complicated process where we have to get banking institutions involved, wire transfer information, confirming if it's correct. In the future, we have the ability to just distribute tokens directly to their wallets, completely you know, uh, going by the financial institutions and now essentially taking it into our own hands, right? And so this is just, again, one of the few things that we've, we're testing so far 
But I fundamentally believe this is the future of this of the real estate industry. And so, Hill, when I first heard about this, I'm thinking, wow, digital wallets, tokens. This sounds like it's all happening in the ether and I, I need something tangible. Uh, but there are a lot of us, many of us who have 401ks that we never physically see a share of stock that we own. Uh, we might have brokerage accounts through TD Ameritrade or, or, or Charles Schwab, like you mentioned. And we do all this stuff on our phones and we don't actually, we trade on our phones and we don't actually see any of this. So it, it doesn't seem that far off. Do you have people who are still skeptical though? Oh, of course. And we are just in the infancy of this, you know, where this uh, sector is going, right? Um, I, I like to say that we're crawling, right? And of course you have to crawl before you walk. Um, and, you know, certainly again, that's where we see ourselves. Um, you know, we are very transparent about what we're doing because we want other sponsors to see it, to believe in it, to bring their own projects on because that's the only way that it's going to lead to mass adoption. Um, and even in our, you know, of the 69 investors that we went back and tokenized, we were able to convert 82% of those to actually create T0 accounts and to begin trading. The rest were like, I don't even care about this. I don't want anything to do with it. I just want the traditional real estate. So there's always going to be those people. And then there's going to be those that learning curve there. So we had to host a webinar for our investors. We will call them on. I mean, it was a, a process to get them uh, informed about this. So that educational element is still there. Uh, but I believe in like two, three years, as this becomes more, um, you know, used and more widely known, um, that that education element is not going to be there. And people are just going to kind of go into the investment, just like you said, it'll be a natural part of what we do on a daily basis. Yeah, and the, the whole idea behind this is that you don't have to have $50,000 to invest in uh, market space capital, you, you could invest $10, say, into a token or 100 bucks or 500 bucks, right? Great point. Yes. And that's exactly, you know, the two biggest selling points of this is that, again, one, that you're providing liquidity into what is otherwise an inherently an illiquid market, right? And then the second one is what they call the high ticket cost, right? Uh, you know, $50,000 is a lot to invest into a real estate deal, right? And not see any returns for two, three years. Um, and some of the statistic on it is like something like 93% of retail investors are not able to access these types of investments simply because they're not accredited, right? So now you're lowering that ticket cost. And just like you said, you could come onto the T0 platform and make a buy order for 5,000 shares and uh, 5,000 tokens. And then, you, you know, you as the owner of those tokens, so you can say, hey, I bought in at a dollar. And just to kind of give you some idea, Jason, like when we launched this uh, Myra token, you know, again, those investors bought in at a dollar because the project is around 20% through the construction process. We estimated that the coin, the token should be valued at a dollar 30. After T0 reviewed it, it kind of went through their own process and they're a little bit more conservative than we are. So they came in and the opening price for this token was listed at a dollar 12. Okay, we have buy orders that are coming in right now for a dollar thirty-two. So, meaning that if you're an investor that invested a dollar, literally twelve months later, you could have a thirty-two percent gain. And again, they're not buying all of your tokens; they're off making an offer for five thousand of them. And now they get those five thousand tokens, and they become the proud owners of a real estate asset in Dallas. So, it, it, it's exactly to your point that again, the liquidity issue is addressed here, and then the high ticket cost is you know no longer 
um, you know, a, a problem for us. And after 12 months, as you were saying, then then that person, the investor is able to, to sell that uh, on the open market for, for whatever type of profit, hopefully, that, that they can get. Uh, but but ju- just to get back to the, the skeptical side of this, since this thing is, is brand new here, um, people obviously invest in stocks and, and other type of uh, financial vehicles, let, let's say. But why would I want to invest in commercial real estate? Because, well, I mean, real estate is typically more risk averse, right? You have volatilities when it comes to stock, bonds, and things like that, where, you know, again, they are more akin to go with where the economy goes. Um, real estate is something tangible, something that you can touch and feel. And that's what's different, right? A, a, you know, a stock based on a technology company could be based on nothing, right? On an algorithm. Um, with this, this, these are actually like real components that make up a building where people actually live, right? And so that's the real difference here is that this is backed by a tangible asset. And, you know, with inflation rising as it is, you know, this this is when they say it's a perfect time to invest in real estate because, of course, real estate is made up of those materials that are increasing in cost, meaning that the appreciation of that real estate is going to increase. And we've seen exactly that, Jason, here in Houston and in Texas in general. I mean, real estate prices are skyrocketing, as I'm sure you're seeing right now. Um, and, you know, we've obviously been the benefit of uh, we've been the beneficiary of all of that. Market Space, I mentioned early on, Market Space Capital, the company you work for, uh, ha- has more than a billion dollars in multifamily assets. Earlier in the podcast, we spoke to a company called OwnProp. It's selling commercial uh, shares of commercial property, a hotel in Austin, a shared workspace in Dallas, and things like that. How many other companies are doing this in Texas right now? In Texas, is very limited. I would say there are a few. I've heard of uh, them as well, and I think there's... Uh, there's two more that I know of. Um, there's one called Tor here in Houston. Um, they're all kind of doing slightly different components of this. Um, you know, one of them is doing residential, so specifically single-family homes, and they are kind of framing those as NFTs, you know, non-fungible tokens. This is slightly different, and the reason why our tokens are fungible is because typically in a multifamily asset, there's a lot of cash flow. Right, you're you're generating distributions to investors in a residential single-family property. That's not the case, right? Um, and be, because of that, it's you're you can kind of go down the aspect of making it a NFT. So there's a lot of different companies that are kind of going and doing different parts of this process. Um, we are very familiar out of Dallas with a company that's doing title. They want to do uh, add blockchain element to the title business, which I think that's perhaps in the real estate sector. That's the one that's more that's the most open to uh, innovation, you know, and disruption is because title has been the same thing since day one, uh, and it's a really horrible process. So imagine, you know, that can be disrupted from uh, technology like blockchain. So. We are just, again, scratching the surface. Um, we ourselves in market space capital, as you alluded to, I mean, when we started this company, it was really about understanding um, blockchain and its impacts, but understanding that it's still very much in its infancy. So we took the traditional approach of building up our assets under management, management with the idea that one day we would 
you know, use blockchain. So over the last two years, I would say we've spent, you know, over $150,000, about 12 people in our office have touched this plan uh, where we've understood every element of this and have now proceeded to obviously tokenize our very first asset. And just to really understand the ins and outs of this so that we can take the rest of our portfolio and start, you know, tokenizing yeah. that as well. Do you think we'll get to a point, Sohail, where I will be able to touch an app on my phone and, and buy shares in your company or another company of a, of a property in Austin, San Antonio, Dallas, or Houston? Yes. I mean, you could do that right now, Jason. You could go to T0, and I, t I encourage you to do so. Download the mobile app. Their mobile app kind of sucks. I'm not to please don't include that in the recording, but it's in their very limited uh, phase right now. Yeah. They're coming out with the new iteration of their app, which is really going to be a game changer. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, the, you know, the reason why we went with T0 because it's all, one of the only, it's the only SEC FINRA approved exchange. So their newest iteration of their app is going to be the only app that allows you to uh, buy stocks to buy crypto, to buy NFTs, and to buy digital security wow. tokens like real estate. So you literally would be able to open an app and search real estate and start seeing different projects like the Myra token, and you can start buying and trading, and wow. you would now start owning real estate. So we were very close to being there. The, the platform and the foundation has been laid, Jason. Now it just needs to uh, be cleaned up a little bit, and then there needs to be mass adoption. There needs to be users that are using this. T0 has approximately 23,000 users on their platform, and they have a very organic way of growing. Basically, every time they take a new company and they tokenize them and put them onto their platform, all of the investors of that company now become users of their platform. So their latest uh, company they're bringing on has like 7,000 investors. So now they immediately jumped and they have another 7,000 investors that become users and start trading on their platform. And those but those 7,000 investors, just for our listeners, instead of having, you know, 10% of the company, let's say, or 20% of the company, they may have 20,000 tokens that represent that percentage, right? Got it. That's 100%. The same exact thing we're doing for real estate, they're doing with other sectors, and they're bringing those people onto this platform to start trading. Governor Abbott wants Texas to be a leader in blockchain. Where does Texas stand now when compared to other states? So Texas is ahead of the game, you know, in terms of attracting talent here. Austin has done a great job. Obviously, there's companies like us that are really pushing it forward. Uh, the Texas Blockchain Council has done a fantastic job of kind of mitigating the gap between, you know, people like us and government and regulations. Um, you know, Miami has really been kind of the, the place that's been for, you know, when it comes to blockchain, specifically focused more on like Bitcoin and Ethereum and those altcoins. Um, you know, I would say the technology part of it is very important in terms of um, having a partner there to work with us on the regulation side. Now, on the real estate side, you know, we already do a lot. Jason, if you were going to invest in one of our deals, we have to ma make sure that you're a uh, accredited investor. We have to verify your identity. We have to see your financials. And then ultimately, you're signing a bunch of legal paperwork with us, right? Now, when you go on the T0 platform, you're going through similar KYC, know your consumer you know, guidelines, and then you're able to start trading on there. So we feel like we do a lot for regulations anyways. So we welcome government regulation to this sector because it's going to weed out all the bad actors and let people like us who are doing, you know, the right things and with the right intentions to really prosper. 
So and is that want- is that regulation happening on the federal side, or is that something you think the state legislature might get involved in next session? Both uh, federal side, we've already seen actions on it. Actually, just four weeks ago, uh, the administration laid out a kind of ruling regarding blockchain and uh, cryptocurrencies, and you know it wasn't good in terms of you know being as progressive as we wanted to, but it wasn't bad in that it outright you know didn't do what China said, which was like outright ban cryptocurrencies. So we feel very confident about that, and actually Bitcoin and Ethereum kind of surged following that news. Uh, but there also needs to be uh, support from the state level. And I believe that's what they are intending on discussing in the next legislative session. So, Hell, before we let you go, I want to ask you, just, just to get context on this and perspective, how seismic is this? When, when am I really going, when is this really going to take off where, where, where people are, are trading this thing, sitting at Starbucks, just like they might trade stocks on, on TD Ameritrade or Charles Schwab? So in 2019, this was a $2 billion market. Okay. Uh, this year in 2022, they expected it to hit right around 4 billion. Today, we sit at it being a $5 billion market. So it's already surpassed kind of our, our projections of how it's grown. I fundamentally believe that in the next, you know, by the end of this decade, so here we are in 2022, by 2030, I believe that this is going to be the way that we do business. Right. Um, I think even before that, it's going to become more popular. Uh, but, you know, in order for it to get mass adoption, like I said, um, it, it needs to really gain uh, popularity with the public and kind of just the, the educational curve has to be solved. And so I think we're slowly kind of moving towards that. But to answer that question, by the end of this decade is when I fundamentally believe like this is going to just be the natural way of, of, of doing business. Incredible. It's fascinating insight. We'll be watching to see what the legislature does when they return uh, to Austin in January. Thanks so much, uh, Sohail Hassan, for the insight here. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking again. Fantastic. Jason, what a pleasure to meet you. And once again, thank you uh, for everything that you guys are doing. Uh, and it was, a, it was a pleasure to be here with you. All right, Sohail, thanks so much for the insight. It, it, you know, it occurred to us as we started lining up this podcast if the blockchain starts cutting out real estate fees and things like that, how disruptive is this going to be for realtors, for the title industry, et cetera, and the whole house buying process? Are, are the realtors, you know, are, are they concerned that a technology tidal wave is coming? Well, the guy we go to for all things real estate here on Yolitics is Todd Tremonti. He's a realtor in Richardson, which is in Dallas County. Todd, thanks for being here again with us. Good to talk to you again. How likely is this going to filter down to home sales and to folks like me? Well, it's a great question. And I think if you asked 100 people today, you'd probably get 99 to 100 different answers. Uh, I think it's exciting, but a lot of people are afraid of it. So the, the shortest answer I can give you on that is I think it will ultimately trickle down to parts of the residential real estate industry. I don't think you're going to see a whole bunch of fractional ownership of anyone's primary residence. I think you'll see that on the lake house. I think you'll see that on the mountain vacation home where, you know, look at a, you know, look at a fractional ownership of a timeshare, right? Like, Hey, I got one week in, in Tahoe, Lake Tahoe every year. It would be infinitely more simple for most people to get the third party out of the way and have a technological ability to say, look, I own that. There's a super clear record of it. It's trackable. It's manageable. Where I think more people in the world of residential ought to be looking 
is on some of the peripheral services. Title, for example, right? There, there, there's an entire institution involved in almost every residential sale that says who used to own it, who owns it now? How do we make sure that all of that is clean and logical and legit? And how do we ensure that to make sure we didn't make any mistakes? Basically, that's the sales pitch for blockchain is everything is you know kind of um, democratized and uh, somewhat tamper-proof. I guess the, the pitch is tamper-proof. So we know exactly who did what, when, where, and how, and why, and it shouldn't be at all in question. So I think that's very real. Well, how confident are you in the, in, in the blockchain that, that that can be the, the, the tamper-proof ledger to record all this stuff that we don't need title companies and all these other things? Is it still just so brand new that you're waiting to see, or is this something you think that's, that's coming either way? Yeah, you're not going to get me overly confident on this because I definitely think even still we're so, so early in this technology. I'll just tell you as, as a business owner, my general practice is not to be an early adopter. Right. I think that has served our clients really, really well, but we're not constantly changing and experimenting. I think, you know, a lot of part time real estate agents are always doing that. They're kind of chasing something that will open their business up. I don't see that from a whole lot of longtime stable residential businesses because the client needs come first. And so I don't, I don't see this like really, really soon around the corner in the traditional residential primary residence, right? On your house, on my house. But like we said earlier, lake house, you know, getting to own a piece of a, a ranch property or something like that, whether it's income-based or it's tied to just my personal use, some of that fractional stuff makes sense. The answer directly to your question is I'm a little bit old school. I'm not paranoid, but I'm certainly not at a point where I believe it's 100% tamper-proof and perfect and uh, completely reliable without any question. Um, but, you know, we didn't used to get in the cars with strangers either. And now Uber's a big deal. I didn't, I would ever thought I would have slept in somebody else's house for one night, but I've done that a bunch of times with my kids. So, you know, at some point it's pretty, pretty believable that this will be there, but I don't see it as a certainty yet. No. Good points on both of those. So c considering that, uh how uh, how much are title companies shaking in their boots about this technology, maybe blowing up their entire uh, business structure? I, I've had some conversations with some, and I think wisely they are eyes wide open on that aspect of what they do. I think it's always important that we recognize that we rarely, if ever, fully understand anyone else's business, right? So the actual um, chain of title, curing of title type thing, I think could could change quite a bit. Now, I think smart title companies and, and some of the big, big shareholders um, in that industry will probably try to be the providers of some of that. They'll try to kind of have some ownership over some of that, but they're also doing a lot more, right? The, the, the escrow agent, escrow assistant role is far beyond just the chain of ownership piece, right? Making sure that the contracts come in and the funds come and go as they're supposed to and deeds get recorded and documents get shuffled and to and from the right people and utilities get paid, mortgages get paid and real estate agents get paid. I don't see blockchain necessarily changing much, if any of that. Other technology might, but I think title companies are, are appropriately paying attention. I don't think that they feel that they're going to get completely wiped out, but I definitely think they're aware there may be some technological disruption in their industries. You know, in real estate, we've been talking about, you know, these disruptors. As long as there's been an industry, 
And it usually doesn't happen to the full picture of, of, of the disruptor's dream, you know? So um, maybe some shakeup, but probably not a complete replacement. And I don't want to leave the conversation without pointing out for people who might have second homes, for people who have lake houses or, or you know, mountain chalets like Wheeler has, um, <laughs> you know, this could this could create some extra cash flow. If I had right. a, a second home in, in the Rocky Mountains and I wanted to, uh, you know, sell off $100,000 of its value, they wouldn't necessarily be able to come sleep in there, but they would own a fraction of the house and I would have suddenly some cash, right? Right. Or a, a, a fraction of the equity and a fraction of potential income from that property. So that's where I think in the short term, this has a lot of legs. There are, and I won't name any names just, just for the sake of it, but there are some major players in the residential real estate and technology, kind of that crossover space that already have somewhat, you know, some decent momentum with startups to provide opportunities for fractional ownership. A lot of those are tied towards like, hey, I got a lake house. I only use it three weeks a year. I'm going to try to get some some cash out of the other 49 weeks. Some of those are now tied towards this mobile workforce where I want to live in, you know, what pick pick your place on the globe. I want to live here for three months and here for two months and here for 10 weeks. And that's becoming way more realistic than it was 10 or 20 or 30 years ago where somebody might Literally, instead of owning one home all year, they might own 20% of five homes. Yeah. That sounds crazy to a lot of people, but it sounds less crazy every day. Well, that's a good point. Let me, let me just explore that further based on what you said. Um, you, you know, Ideally, let's say I had a second home in, in, the, in the Rocky Mountains or on Galveston Island. Mm -hmm. I, I could make that an Airbnb mm -hmm. and make some money off that. Right. Uh, I could also sell fractions of it, uh, like we're talking about here on the blockchain, um, and I, I could, I could double my money essentially, yeah. couldn't I? Yeah. I mean, here's the crazy thing or, or, or maybe the obvious thing you can do that right now. You don't need blockchain to do that. But for a lot of us, that feels really complex. Like yeah. how do I do that? What are the boundaries? What, what is this new owner able to do that? You know, what do I have to lock up when I leave now? Like how, how the heck would that work? What contract, who helps me with that? Yeah. And most, to be really honest with you, most real estate agents would answer you like, I I don't know. Let me Google it. You know, where I think blockchain has some promise is in saying, look, this is this may be as simple as your online banking. Right. This may be as simple as jumping on and buying some cryptocurrency. Um, by the way, there's a lot of people doing those things that have no clue how it works behind that. And they're fine with that. I'm one of them. Yeah, both of us. Me, right. Me too, man. Yeah. So at some point, if that blockchain technology gains acceptance or trust, wouldn't it make logical sense that it may be able to open up a market that already completely exists? All this is possible. It's just, it's unclear to a lot of people and it's complex and cumbersome. But if all of that went away, it may become infinitely more accessible to people. And I think, again, in the short term, that may be where we start hearing this term blockchain uh, relevant to residential real estate much more quickly than some of the other big grandiose ideas.
You might have seen the headlines too, Todd. Governor Abbott saying he wants Texas to be a leader in, in uh, cryptocurrency and, and Bitcoin and blockchain as well too. Do you expect lawmakers to to really start kind of ramping this thing up when they return in uh, in January? Do you, th- you think we'll see some headlines out of Austin on this? Well, it's funny. I appreciate you guys having me on for real estate, but you've never really thought you never positioned me as the political guru. I just think it's funny when politicians see the train coming down the track and then they're like, hey, we're bringing a train down the track. You know, like trains coming, buddy. What are you, you going to do with it? Right. Yeah. So obviously, I think Abbott and others are like, look, you know, we're not going to we're not going to not have this in our market. So we might as well try to be leaders in it. You know, and I think that's the wise thing to do is try to get your arms around it and direct it towards things that are good for the state, good for the economy, good for the community. I don't know a whole lot about the political angle of it beyond that. And so I'll be honest, but you bet you're behind. I think every one of those political leaders is going to try to lay claim to either, you know, rightfully or not, uh, bringing it to industry, bringing it to government, bringing it to our local market in a way that is good for our state. And I think Texas has done a pretty good job with that in some other spaces, if not always, certainly recently with you know, things like SpaceX and Tesla and even Apple and Facebook and things like that, where um, obviously in Austin, but obviously here in North Texas as well, I think we're seeing a desire for some of that. And so leaders would be wise to participate. Yeah, the train is on the tracks, man. <laughs> no doubt about it. Yeah. Always appreciate your insight, man. Thanks. Yeah. Fun conversation. All right. So we're going to have to wait and see how the blockchain impacts real estate, whether it actually does create new investment opportunities for regular folks like us. Here's the bottom line, though. Blockchain is here to stay. It's an emerging technology. Texas and Texas lawmakers want the state here to lead the nation and and have these companies come in here and and for us to be a model for it. So because of that, keep an eye on it as companies and individuals and even lawmakers really try to capitalize on this. Hope you got something out of this episode. It was an eye-opener for me. We appreciate you listening as always, and we're back again next week for another episode of Yolitics. Take care.